0: Welcome to Suspending the Rules, the Bloomberg Government's weekly look at what's happening in Congress.
1: Lawmakers are hurrying to extend funding for the federal government before it lapses in two weeks, even while they work on full-year appropriations bills and try to advance their legislative agendas. This is Suspending the Rules from Bloomberg Government. I'm Sarah Babbage.
2: And I'm Michael Smallberg. The House has teed up a continuing resolution to stave off a potential government shutdown, and the Senate Appropriations Committee this week plans to continue advancing some of those fiscal 2020 spending bills ahead of negotiations with the House.
1: Today on the podcast, though, we're going to be focused on another bill that the House is planning to take up this week. The Forced Arbitration Injustice Repeal Act, or FAIR Act, would block mandatory arbitration in employment, consumer, and other contracts. Here to break down the bill for us are Up Legislative Analyst and frequent Suspending the Rules host, Adam Taylor. Hi. As well as Bloomberg Law Congressional Labor Policy reporter, Jacqueline Diaz. Hi. Let's start out for all of the non-lawyers in the room. Please
3: tell me what arbitration is. Give us a background on that. Basically, arbitration is this alternative to going through the court system with a judge and jury. Um, Arbitration has a single arbitrator that is a neutral third-party decision-maker, essentially. So if an employer or an employee has a dispute, they would go through arbitration as an alternative to a lawsuit, essentially.
0: In companies like this because it's a lot faster and cheaper than going to court, and there's a lot less uncertainty. There are groups uh, that companies will contract with that provide arbitrators, essentially, and they provide just arbitration services. Um, And they can even go beyond that to include mediation or negotiation and, and all this range of alternative dispute resolution to keep it a case out of court. Like I said, it's quicker and cheaper than court, but there are also fewer procedural protections than you will find in uh, a courtroom in in part to streamline it and
2: keep it faster and cheaper than going to court. So who exactly gets to serve as an arbitrator? Are are there some rules about their independence or potential bias?
0: Yeah, usually uh, there there are a few different ways it can be set up. Usually it'll be someone from uh, a group, uh, a company that provides arbitrators, and they, they won't have conflicts of interest or anything. Sometimes you'll see it set up so that each party selects an arbitrator and then the two arbitrators select a third arbitrator and they have a panel but typically it's an outside company that provides them
1: And who's who's paying their salary?
0: That is an interesting question. So if they are coming from this outside group then that salary is being paid by that outside group but the, the fees for arbitration are generally paid by by the company. or be, There might be filing expenses, but uh, the, the customer, so to speak, is often the, the company that's actually involved in the arbitration, and they come back again and again to the same arbitrators.
1: Okay. So let's talk about what forced arbitration
3: is then, which is what this bill is all about. And forced arbitration is this uh, mandatory decision you have to go through arbitration ra- rather than filing a lawsuit. So, say an employee is harassed and they signed uh, an agreement when they first get on the job that you actually have to go through arbitration rather than filing a lawsuit with your employee.
0: And a lot of these uh, agreements, they'll be in the fine print of your employment contract or your credit card contract or whatever consumer contract you're signing with the company. And a lot of times they'll even be just a click-through agreement on a computer screen. So very few people ever actually read these, but they're in many, many different contracts. And Similar provisions limit the ability of people to file class actions with a a large group of people to kind of say, we're representing all the people that have been wronged by this kind of behavior and they, they sign away those rights, and this bill also addresses those.
3: And, and the scary thing is that some people really don't even know that they're even signing away their ability to, to avoid arbitration. So so if there's an issue, they don't find out until they want to rectify the problem and, and realize that they have to go through arbitration.
0: They'll file a lawsuit, and yeah. the defense lawyer will say, this is not allowed in court, it has to be in arbitration, and the court will dismiss the case. So what else would the bill do that the House is planning to take up this week? So it would make these kinds of agreements, or at least these provisions in agreements, unenforceable. It would make it so when the defense attorney raises this objection, the judge will say, well, that's unenforceable, and this is going to stay here. And the bill goes out of its way to ensure that the the judge is using federal law and this bill to make that decision, and not the terms of a contract, not the terms of state law. Um, So it would make those kinds of pre-dispute agreements that limit arbitration and limit joint action unenforceable. And it would do it in several contexts. It's not every agreement, so if there's a company to company kind of agreement that requires arbitration, those are, those are still gonna stand. But if there's an employment dispute, uh, consumer dispute, an antitrust dispute or a civil rights dispute, anything involving constitutional law or civil rights, those will be unenforceable to require arbitration or or limit class actions.
1: Those sound like some pretty broad contexts. Can you tell us a little bit more about why the House is pursuing this now and why people have been talking more recently about forced arbitration?
3: So last week on Wednesday, I talked to the original sponsor of the bill in the House, uh, Representative Hank Johnson, and uh, we talked about just that that very question. And he said that he actually introduced this back in 2007, and he's done it every year since then. And it's only really started gaining support within the House because the Me Too movement essentially brought to light how arbitration agreements contributed to basically victims not getting their full due and basically harassers continuing on with their assaults or what have you because it's confidential or because they haven't been able to bring it to, to court into the public view. So tied to some of the
1: sexual harassment and Me Too kind of stuff we've seen coming out? Yes, definitely. Yeah. Uh, and, and
2: have some companies already started to take action um, on their own? uh
0: Yeah, some companies have stepped back from requiring arbitration in their employment contracts. Uh, I think fewer are stepping back in the consumer context or other ones, but you see companies like Google and others actually start to react to pressure from their employees to reduce their use of forced arbitration. And oftentimes under this bill, arbitration would be an option if, if an employee or a consumer wanted to go to arbitration. They would still have that option, and I'm sure the companies would be happy to oblige, but this would not force them to use arbitration.
1: What are some of the arguments against this bill?
0: One of them is cost. Uh, companies really like arbitration because it costs a lot less, and it's, it creates a lot less uncertainty than going to court. If you go to court, you you don't know whether you're going to win or lose, and you don't know how much the judge or jury is going to award in damages, or if there's going, if it's going to spiral out. Arbitration, there's usually a set universe of damages that that are going to be awarded. And it's also quiet. You're not going to get the bad publicity from arbitration because it often comes with, uh, as Jacqueline was saying, it comes with confidentiality provisions. So you're not going to get the bad press uh, if you lose a Me Too suit in arbitration.
3: Uh, And Republicans were basically saying last week that uh, this pushes people towards private lawyers and having to pay that expense and just uh, boosting the plaintiffs' uh, wallets essentially. And they were saying it goes too far and it's too broad, but um, there's definitely still support. Is there a fear with this that you would just get kind of a lot of class action coming
1: because people don't have that arbitration clause anymore?
0: I mean, that's one argument against it, and the bill explicitly limits the ability to stop class actions. You, You could see more class actions, which people who support consumer rights and employee rights might say is a good thing because it allows employees and consumers to hold companies accountable through the court system. Companies don't like that as much because it is extra cost and extra uncertainty. Um, And and they say, in the end, the the biggest beneficiary of class actions are, are plaintiff's lawyers who file the class actions because individuals don't tend to get a lot of money out of class actions, but you can use them to rectify bad behavior and to punish bad behavior. So even if each individual is not receiving a large award, the company is still paying that out and it's a reason for them not to behave badly is what they would argue.
3: And I should add that this doesn't take away the option to voluntarily enter an arbitration agreement. Some naysayers against this bill seem seem to kind of talk over that point, but people can still voluntarily enter an arbitration and hash out their disputes
2: that way. And looking ahead, is there a companion companion bill on the Senate side?
0: There is. Uh, Senator Richard Blumenthal from Connecticut, a Democrat, introduced a companion bill. Uh, It's got 34 co-sponsors. Last I checked, all of them are Democrats or Bernie Sanders, who's an independent who caucuses with the the Democrats. My understanding is it's probably not going anywhere. Senator Lindsey Graham's Judiciary Committee doesn't seem inclined to take it up. And Republicans generally don't seem to support the bill other than Matt Gaetz. Yes,
3: exactly. Yeah. All
1: right. Well, Jacqueline Diaz is a reporter focusing on congressional labor policy for Bloomberg Law, and Adam Taylor is a legislative analyst with Bloomberg Government. Thank you for coming on today.
2: Thanks. Thanks. That does it for this episode. We'll be back with more of the happenings in Congress next week.
0: Thank you for listening to Suspending the Rules. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Find more on the subjects we discussed today and a whole lot more from Bloomberg Government at about.bgov.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at bgov. The legislative analyst team is Sarah Babbage, Noreen Chowdhury, Danielle Parnas, Michael Smallberg, and me, Adam Taylor. Our editor is Adam Shank. Nico Anzalata is our sound engineer. Our theme music is Home Organ by Zach Nesita. More information on that can be found at premiumbeat.com.
4: I'm Dori Goldstein. And I'm Meg McAvoy. We're both legal analysts at Bloomberg Law. It's our job to write, speak, and think about the future of law and the legal industry. It's a pretty fun job. (laughs) It is. But as co-hosts of Law X.0, We're going to talk about so much more. And we'll have some backup. I (laughs) love you guys. We're fans. You're so (laughs) fun. So much backup. It's almost like we're on the uphill of a roller coaster. Law X.0 is about bringing you the next version of the legal industry. Yeah, Law X.0 is like 2.0, but X.0, because we don't exactly know what tomorrow will bring. But whatever it is, we'll make sure you're prepared. We'll be speaking to leading practitioners, former regulators, and lawyers on the front lines of legal change.
2: It's within that next year that we first start to see the appearance of these clauses in M&A.
4: We're all becoming M&A experts right now. (laughs) We'll feature actionable, data-driven analysis.
0: Our analysis showed that these three factors correlated to Fifth Circuit judges reversing district court decisions.
4: And we'll get at the insights behind the law. Why don't you look at CEO pay? We have found that to be the biggest risk factor. And uncover something new and unexpected. It's like a shell game. Accountability to everyone is accountability to nobody. Hear how the legal world is responding to the companies you're watching and the stories you're reading. We've seen that at Facebook in in the poor response they've had to the number of cases against them. Law and the legal industry are changing fast. We are dedicated to seeing Around Corners. And getting you ready for the next version of the legal industry. Download Law X.0 from Bloomberg Law, wherever you get your podcasts.